Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Test, Learn, Grow. Today, we're talking about the top five things we are focused on in higher education marketing this year. These are five very specific things that we curated with our education teams based on our client base, things that they're asking us about, things that we're actively testing for them, and things that we know all of you listening should be focused on as well. So what are those five things that we're testing? Well, first, we're going to talk about testing new platforms with the sinking ship known as Facebook. All impending doom intended there. And we'll get to more on that. The importance of leading into machine learning and artificial intelligence and not shying away from it. Also, the importance of building a solid awareness measurement strategy and the importance of nurturing leads beyond just email and measuring all the impact there. And then we'll wrap with a discussion on creative and the importance of investing in high-quality video and user-generated content, and how we can layer all that into our performance marketing campaigns. So all that and more on today's episode. And to help me do that, I'm joined by three guests. We've got Jenna Bluedorn, account director for the education vertical, and our two team leads in the education vertical, Jeff Roebuck and Kiefer Kopko. Thank you all for being here. Thanks, Thanks for having us. us. So Kiefer, we're going to start with you and that, uh, that very ominous sinking ship known as Facebook. Um, talk to us about that. How are we testing new platforms because of everything that's going on at Facebook? Absolutely. So I think, you know, over the last five to 10 years, Facebook has become, uh, well, Meta, honestly, has become kind of a cornerstone in digital marketing for a lot of companies. You know, we see this pretty consistently, especially when we look at historical numbers. You know, for a long time, it was a really solid driver of lead volume at relatively low costs. Um, quality was always a mixed bag, but it certainly was you know something that could be workable for an admissions team. Uh, over the last couple of years, I would say, especially since uh, the pandemic, uh, but even a little bit beforehand, we really started to notice um, just declining results. You know, cost per lead was going up, and the quality of the leads was really shrinking. We were really having a tough time with enrollments. Um, one of the things that we noticed is that there are just so many more platforms. You know, Snapchat's user base has been growing since, you know, 20, 2010 area. Um, TikTok came onto the scene in a big way during the pandemic. Uh, and there are things like Discovery, which are new ad platforms uh, put out by Google. And they all serve a similar type of spot where it is a feed-based advertising. It is, you know, really focused more on prospecting and focused more on, you know, generating conversions. And as a result, you know, Facebook isn't the cornerstone that it, that it used to be. Um, we've seen firsthand um, once we started to test these platforms, although they are not at the same level in terms of lead generation, uh, they are great at you know delivering brand awareness, generating you know knowledge of who you are, what you stand for, what are your unique you know aspects of your your school, and what can get people to go there. Um, there's also a major benefit in specifically in TikTok and Snapchat when it comes to targeting users under 18. You know, there's a lot of new regulations, a lot of privacy concerns. Um, but we've seen firsthand that Snapchat and TikTok, just purely from a CPM basis, is the most efficient way uh, if you're trying to target users under that 18 demographic. There's still several limitations you need to consider, but certainly it, it seems like that's where they are. And then Discovery, which is a Google-based, feed-based ad platform, it serves on YouTube, Gmail, and you know the regular Google page, um, is definite, it has the same type of advertising as Facebook used to, although you have to consider there are more people on YouTube, Gmail, and Google than there ever have been on any of Meta's product. So now we have the same type of advertising, a much bigger audience, much bigger scale. So that's where we're seeing a lot of like 
actually generating those costs per lead. So there is no silver bullet yet that we found, um, but it, it requires a lot more of, of look at your media mix, look at you know what are you trying to achieve through all these different platforms and go from there. And you know, Meta still has a place. It's just, it's not quite the, the cornerstone it used to be. Yeah, like we laughed when I previewed it. That was total clickbait, right? The sinking ship, not as yep. Facebook. But really what you described there is it's really not just about one ship, right? We've got a fleet between all the different platforms and everything's got their place. And certainly it's just not taking up as much of the market as it used to be because of everything you just said. So you talked about abroad, which is good. Do you have any specific examples about how we've tested exactly what you just said for the clients and any just real world examples of what the results have been? Yeah. So back in uh, summer and fall of 2022, um, we actually did a very calculated test focused on advertising in Snapchat, TikTok, and Reddit, actually, um, trying to determine what is the actual brand awareness impact. And it was a limited test. So we, you know, we had to make some considerations about, you know, what is the most effective thing we can learn from this test, given the time frame and the budget. Um, so we decided to focus on, you know, what is the overall lift on website traffic and, and the value in website traffic? Um, certainly, if we had longer and we had a bigger budget, we would look at, you know, what's the impact on inquiries? What's the impact on enrollments? And we're actually gearing up for a test like that. Um, what we found is that uh, through what is called a counterfactual prediction, um, it is actually based on a uh, Google case study that was published basically predicting you know what what traffic would be like and then intervening with the new campaigns and seeing what it actually did in comparison to the the projection that we originally made um, at the end of the day it shook out to that we were able to directly link TikTok and Snapchat in particular less so Reddit I'm not talking bad on Reddit but it, it has a little bit of ways to go Snapchat and TikTok in particular uh, generate I think a 15% lift in overall direct traffic to the website. So people you know, actually typing in the URL and going to the website. Um, we worked with uh, members of our data COE, our, our data scientist, Cal Toljan. Um, he put together the model and he made a lot of considerations for you know, making sure we're considering what events are they having that could be influencing the overall traffic? What other advertising are they doing? So a lot of considerations went into it to give us a very clear, this is the lift and this is the metric and we're continuing to test and retest that. So that's a great example. And it, it's, uh, it's funny because it takes that, right? It takes the, uh, the data and those examples that people have to hear that over and over again for them to actually lean into it and not shy away from it, which makes me think of another topic that I know you work closely on, which is machine learning and artificial intelligence, right? Similarly, first time it comes on the scene, just, just like when TikTok or Snapchat came on the scene, people don't want to touch it because it's unknown, but it's important and it's, uh, it's a factor today, right? So how can people start to lean into that more versus away from it? Yeah. So, um, I think the first podcast I was actually ever on was about Facebook consolidation specifically and, and yeah. campaign consolidation generally. Um, that's the, that's been the, the big hallmark for us. Um, I would say, you know, over the last four years, especially since I, I came on board at level agency, uh, it started with, uh, using automated bidding. And then the automated bidding moved into, okay, to use automated bidding effectively, we need campaign consolidation, which means, you know, leveraging the automation to determine where we can generate conversions, where we can generate leads and continue to feed that information. Now we've taken that so much further. Um, now there are things like offline conversion tracking and value-based bidding that we can incorporate into our automated bidding models to give it more information, to let it bid smarter. Um, campaign consolidation is still a big one. I always tell my clients, you know, 
let's not let finance dictate the way our campaigns are arranged. Because a lot of the ways that you know we build campaigns are, well, we have to make sure that we have an accrual sheet at the end of the month that can you know specifically call out where we're spending money for what campuses. And I completely understand that. Uh, but sometimes it can really hurt performance. And then most recently, there has been a pretty massive shift in terms of you know machine learning and artificial intelligence, especially in regards to creative. Um, I'm sure most people have heard about Performance Max. Uh, certainly, some a lot of questions around Performance Max and its its viability, its capabilities, and it's, it's something we're testing pretty aggressively. But even looking at things like how are people using responsive search ads? How are we using dynamics or um, responsive display ads? Uh, looking at you know there are options for dynamic search ads where you effectively give Google a URL and say, make my ads, make my keywords, call it a day. And those things are scary for a lot of people. I think the biggest, the biggest hurdle I, I reach a lot is, you know, how much insight can we have on what's actually performing? Um, you know, can compliance review what this copy is going to look like? There's a lot of concerns around, you know, we need to keep a contract, we need to keep a tight leash on what is our messaging going out into the market? Right. And when you get into these automated systems and these dynamic systems, that gets really scary because you don't have as much control. There's also some concerns about you're not learning as much because you can't decide, okay, this CTA works better than this CTA and here's the data behind it. It becomes a, a sort of black box. And I, I appreciate that concern 100% because I'm, I'm very similar. But sometimes you have to balance that against what are the results and what are we actually getting out of it? And if it's a better cost per enrollment, if it's more enrollments, you have to balance that out against, you know, being in a little bit of a, at the edge of your seat. Yeah. You just mentioned data. And so that's a great segue to just data as a topic and a couple of the points we want to draw on today. So Jeff, I'm going to bring it over to you and the ability to get into data so you can see into the black box and actually measure the effectiveness of our work is huge um, at every stage of the funnel. But let's start at the top with awareness, right? How do we are we defining awareness measurement? What place does it have in the marketing strategy? And, and how are we measuring that with data sources right now? Yeah, I mean, I think the, the best conversation to have about this maybe three or four years ago was all about attribution measurement, view through click activity, view, view through conversion activity. What are your display? What are the best display ads to get somebody to eventually go to your website to eventually convert to a lead? You know, when's the last time you on purpose clicked on a display ad, right? But it absolutely has an impact on how you think about companies and who comes top of mind when you have a problem to solve, right? Uh, you may not even realize it, but it's absolutely happening. And how do we track? Well, now that iOS is blocking for like 95% of cross app cookie tracking um, and Chrome is phasing out cookie tracking, all of that requires some of that technical tracking systems that are being blocked and people are getting more savvy at, at preventing. So how do you, how do you measure the indirectly measurable, right? Um, and so this is when um, you don't get creative, but you expand your understanding of what these measurement strategies mean and you set your expectations appropriately, right? It can be as simple and as classic as a holdout test. Let me run these um, OTT uh, video campaigns in these five states and in these other five comparable states, I won't run it there. And let's measure what happens to my overall business in those in those regions. Like that, that simple. You can do a time over time test, controlling for seasonality and events, like Kiefer was talking about. Um, or you could do something as uh, where you can even split an audience. Fifty percent of the audience, I will show the ads in the same geo. Another fifty percent, I won't. 
and see what the differences are there. And then you can measure the direct impact. Um, but then you can also do a media mix model, which is not as direct as an attribution measurement strategy um, would be, but those are much less reliable today than they were even a couple of years ago. And they will continue to be less reliable. Google won't admit to that. Uh, they're modeling out what your performance looks like, and they're getting pretty good at modeling that stuff out. But it's really difficult when you're doing something that's not directly attributable. Um, but the media mix modeling allows you to say, of all of the different independent variables that are happening in, or all the different things that are happening in my marketing and in my controls, well, it's outside my control, whether it's market forces or a sale that I have or a scholarship I have or a new program watch. Of all of these things, what is having the greatest impact on my performance? And you measure it by combining all of your data and you say, Facebook, uh, Instagram had a 5% lift in your sales that's not attributed to direct. Um, OTT had a 15% lift in your sales. Um, search had a negative 10%. Like, and it's a zero sum model, right? So it, it is tricky and you need somebody to have the forethought and set the expectation appropriately for how we're measuring these things. There are other tools as well. Jenna's done a million lift studies in her life, I feel like, um, through YouTube and Facebook. But the, the essential core of this is don't just set it, say, hey, my sales went up, it worked. Or, hey, my sales went down, it didn't work. Or my student generation, I'm talking more broadly than I need to because I'm on an education podcast. So my, my leads went up on my website, therefore it worked. Or leads are down 15%. This is garbage. Let's spend it somewhere else. Like, instead of doing that, actually get scientific and set that expectation before you start the test. So don't just backpedal and say, let me get real creative with how I'm going to measure the success of this thing. Before you start the test, agree on, okay, well, how do we know the test will work or not work? And set those standards, right? We have a failure metric as well as a success metric. Check in two weeks after launch, four weeks after launch, we're regularly monitoring these things. So as we move further down, right, all that we talked about is more awareness. As we move towards the bottom of the funnel, so to speak, and we get into things that, that might take us out of the advertising platforms and into things like email um, to nurture leads. Can you share some examples of lead nurturing campaigns that we're doing right now in higher ed and how we're testing in that arena as well as we're um, in performance marketing? I yeah, I mean, <clears throat> so the, our job at level, hey, I'm selling us. Our job does not stop at the generation of the lead. We're really all about generating the enroll. As we so crassly put, butts in seats. That's what we're trying to do, right? We're trying to get those students, whether you're online or ground, we're trying to get students to come to your to your, to your institution, start their courses and complete and to graduate, right? Um, so beyond email, beyond calling them five times a day to get a lead to come and enroll or to apply or whatever it is, you have many other tactics. You have email is the most common digital tactic, probably I would say for these things, but you can also for very inexpensive uh, media costs, you can create custom creative, custom advertising, custom landing pages that encourages people not just to become a lead, but to target those leads and to convert them into applicants, convert them into enrollments, right? You can have creative, we're actively doing this right now. You can have creative that either calls out, this is why you should trust our institution. These are all our value props and a little bit dig deeper. Maybe it's a day in the life. Um, maybe the most common, you, you base the creative off of the most common barriers of entry for students. Um, so if they're company, they're worried about cost, your Lead nurturing is what we call it. Your lead nurturing efforts are all about financial aid programs and grants and scholarships you guys have available that people generally don't know about. Their concern is, I don't know if I can fit this into my really busy adult schedule, then 
it's all about a day in the life for a student, right? What is it? You know, you wake up, you go to work and in your bus commute to work, you're checking on your course, course load when you take a lunch break and for 30 minutes you do your homework, right? It's really about meeting, just like every good advertising, it's meeting your audience where they are. And you absolutely, for very inexpensive compared to marketing, very inexpensive costs, meet them in social, them in display, email as well, right? But take the same concepts of email, apply it to these digital channels, and you could go really far with very small advertising dollars, as long as you have the right creative to encourage them to go further down the funnel until they become a student. And you can even run student retention. If you have really poor student retention, you can run advertisements that call out your student success team or, or alumni videos talking about the graduation process or just inspire them to keep going, right? Um, these things can have a really profound impact. In general, we see anywhere from a 20 to 60% lift, 60 is very high, 20 to 60% lift in enroll rates when we're deploying these tactics versus when we're just doing the standard calling them a million times and emailing. So speaking of creative, Jenna, you've been waiting patiently to pop in, but I know you've got an opinion on this, um, especially when it comes to some of your play favorite platforms with TikTok and all the research I know you're doing there uh, in your life, even outside of level. But how important is it that institutions are investing in high quality video of their own, but also in curating user-generated content from their students. Yeah, so all of the things that Jeff talked about and the Keeper talked about, we can't do without high-quality creative. Um, so if you want to do these strategies, you really have to start at that creative base because if you're just running the same creative that you ran in Seed and Facebook, but just copying and pasting that over to TikTok, the test is going to fail. And then you're going to be there like, why my test fail? And then I'll be like, come on, you should have gotten a creative. Um, and so having creative that's specific to that platform, to that effort is so important. So if we're thinking about TikTok, we're thinking about Snapchat, having that user-generated content, that first-person, really rough-feeling content is key. And this is fortunately a lower design lift. So we are testing user-generated content across our clients. And this looks like going on campus and talking to campus directors or talking to admissions folks, or if you can, talking to your students about what their life is like, having them pick up their phone and record it in first person in selfie mode like they're used to doing already. If you're feeling fancy, put some transitions in there, but start simple. Um, and so having that creative foundation is really important. Now, if we're going to talk about just diversifying our creative portfolio and we can't necessarily get UGC, having high quality video is going to be the most important. So video first is the strategy that we really believe in right now, for now and moving forward for the foreseeable future. Video outperforms static every day of the week. Um, and then for display specifically, animated outperforms static. So while it's not full motion video, it does have some of that text animation as well. So, you know, in general, if you can get UGC, that's going to be the number one. But if not relying on that full motion video, um, and that really high quality video as well. I would just echo what Jenna said. And it, to the point where if you don't have UGC, don't test TikTok yet. Unless your, liter your institution is literally on fire, don't bother because it's not going to work. The, like, the lack of genuine, trustworthy, um, sort of like heart to heart, that's what the audience at TikTok is expecting is a genuine connection. And if you have stock, photography flipping through slides or stock videography it's going to be very 
clear as day. Um, and it's going to, it's going to hurt your brand, honestly, if you're not doing some of these like genuinely owned recorded videography and it, it's not a huge lift design wise, but it does take some coordination, some work. So I'm just going to echo what John said. And instead of like, try to do it, I would say like, no, you, you need to do it if you're going to test these new platforms. Yeah. And the brands that do the best. So Miles mentioned, you know, my research, I'm in my PhD right now. My research is actually focused in TikTok. And so I'm looking at how brands interact with their audience to grow engagement and the brands that do it best follow trends. And I understand that in higher education, we have compliance teams that won't always allow us to jump on a song that's really just trending right now and we need to get content out tomorrow. It doesn't mean that we can't still follow popular general trends among our student demographic. And right now, like if you're thinking about your student demographic, you're pushing more into Gen Z. And yes, we still have millennials as a big base, but millennials, what we used to say, like the millennials is the kids, that's not really it anymore. Like we're reaching out to Gen Z now. And that's a very, very different target population than any population we've ever worked with. They grew up with ads. They see ads every day from the first iPad that they ever picked up. This is not going to be, you know, you run a Facebook ad and it just automatically resonates. They need trust and they know how to see through advertising. So having that more authentic content, having sillier content really does well. The brands that I'm studying are using humor to grow their engagement. So, you know, using that humor and things that you already have and taking your phone and a resource that you already have and cutting a video together on your phone can be really quick and dirty, but it also can get you better engagement than if you're going to spend thousands of dollars doing a whole video production project. Well, there you have it, everyone. Five things in higher education marketing for 2023 that should be on your radar if there's not already. So just a brief recap. We talked with Kiefer about uh, the quote-unquote sinking ship as Facebook, although we admitted it's not really sinking. It's just we're adding more ships to the fleet and there's that importance of adding TikTok and Snapchat into your testing rotation and also leaning into the machine learning and artificial intelligence options within those ad platforms as well to really optimize all of your paid media efforts. And then Jeff took us down the data rabbit hole where we talked about the importance of building solid awareness measurement strategies and beyond the ad platforms, nurturing leads into email and other offline activities as well to really result in what everybody wants, which is enrollments. And then wrapping it up with Jenna here, digging into creative and the importance of high quality video content, but also user-generated content that is specific to platforms so that you are making the most of time and resources invested and have your best chances of success with all of the advertising that you're doing. So I want to remind everybody that this was just really a teaser into each of these five things. And you'll hear more from us on the Test Learn Grow podcast with episode-specific coverage of each of these five things here in the near future. And you can listen to this back and all of the other Test and Grow content as much as you like wherever you get your podcasts. So until next time, thank you all for being here and we'll see you later.